you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome, everybody, inside this edition, this snowy edition, at least in the New York metro area of Good Morning Football. It is Tuesday, February 13th. I'm Jamie Erdahl. There's Kyle Brandt, Jason McCordy, and Peter Schrager. Kyle, you've been on it with this whole overtime rule, the interpretation of the clock, and how we're supposed to go, go about it. It's like watching you do angry runs every week. Like, do you wish there was no clock for you during angry runs? Because sometimes you just tell those guys, I got to just let me cook. Let me go. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'll be... A- you know, screaming about uh, Derek Henry or, or James <laughs> Conner. And I get one of our lovely line producers being like, ah, 30 seconds more. And I'm like, listen, I have another five minutes. There's something meta <laughs> about running through the clock and angry runs. I do it all the time. Angry runs is done for the season, though. Like, I'll, I'll see in September. So, yes, I feel very, very much uh, relates. <laughs> Kyle, I wanted to show you something from my home office. This is in my home office, Kyle. The ultimate yeah. angry runner. This is a framed Christian Okoye picture that I have in my home office. My favorite player as a child. I have it framed because he represents everything that is pure and wonderful and angry about football. Christian Okoye, Chiefs legend. Kyle, angry run, Hall of Famer. I know that Jason will agree with me in that when you look at Christian Okoye and you look at Thurman Thomas, as incredible as they were, imagine what they could have accomplished without the vertical bar going down the middle of their (laughs) eyesight. They might have broken the rushing record. I love you, Emmett. But Emmett didn't have the vertical bar. For some reason, they handicapped themselves by doing that in that era. It's beautiful. But I'll always wonder, what if? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Let's angry run through this next topic, because I'm sure there's some 49ers fans who have some frustration about it. Time for the lead block. All right, Super Bowl 58. It was the first playoff game with the new overtime rules in place. Now, both teams... Now they have an opportunity to possess the ball even if the receiving team scores a touchdown first. 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan was clear about his decision making after the game, but some of his players were still not sure about how the new rules affected the outcome. I didn't even know about the new overtime, uh, playoff overtime rule, so it was a surprise to me. Yeah, I didn't even really even know what was going on in terms of that. I, I, they put it on this, the scoreboard and Everyone was like, oh, even if you score, they get a chance still. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. So I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. Something you guys have talked about? No. No, we haven't talked about it, no. That's a very telling inspection of perhaps how the 49ers prepared uh, since the new rules went into effect last offseason. Motion still very raw for the 49ers. Peter, this is a curious case for the 49ers. Do you think this one hurts more the way they lost and the nature in which and the not knowing compared to the loss that they suffered five years ago? I'm actually not so appalled hearing guys like Juszczyk and Armstead not knowing the rules. They just go out there and play football. Those the coaches need to know, 
Fred Warner needs to know. He's the one at the coin toss. And of course, Brock Purdy needs to know so he can do the clock management. But I guess I'm giving them a pass on this. I don't know if check the fullback, is going to play any differently if he knows the overtime rules about who scores first, who scores second, what's needed, what's not. It does seem like a massive gap in game planning, though, that the Chiefs players across the board all seem to know the, the rules inside and out. And Andy Reid made sure they were drilled on knowing it because, quite frankly, they were the reasons they created this rule. And it was after the Josh Allen 13 seconds that he wasn't able to match after Travis Kelsey scored the touchdown in overtime in that AFC divisional game that everyone said, well, that's ridiculous. The Bills should have a chance to match it. So they changed the rules because of that. And then the Chiefs said, okay, well, we'll let you still get on the board first. We're going to score. You look at the Niners. I think this is as heartbreaking a Super Bowl loss as I could imagine. And it's A, because of the way it went down in overtime. B, it's because you're up 10 points and yet another Super Bowl. But C, their best players all were awesome. Bosa was unblockable in this game. Armstead, nicknamed The Blueprint, was incredible in this game. Purdy might have played his best playoff game yet. Purdy was great. Debo was tough. Ayuk McCaffrey in the fourth quarter could not be stopped. You can't look at one of these players and say, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Debo or uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and that's why we lost. Or... You know, our kicker just missed four different field goals. And we like, no, their kicker hit 250 yarders. Like, their punter, Wisnowski, was amazing. They had two mental errors, the block extra point, and that horrible punt situation that when it went off 28's foot and then three bobbled it. Again, 28 to three. If you don't think God is laughing somewhere or has some cruel jokes to him when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, I don't know what, what's going on there. And then you have the overtime decision to say, we're going to receive as opposed to kicking it off and deferring and then getting a chance to match. Those are three things. Special teams, mental errors and the miscues of, of what goes on with like, you know, stuff that you practice all year long. And then a coaching decision on game management that you feel like everything that you do and you prepare as a player, like your heart is just ripped out for you. The Chiefs win this game, yes. But in a lot of ways, like if you're a Niners fan, you're still waking up on Tuesday morning and you cannot stomach the way that game went down because you can't blame any individual player. All those guys, even Kittle, who had two catches, Kittle had a big fourth down conversion and stretched out and got like every one of those star players played really well. So I can't blame the players on this one. And then you start pointing fingers and it's like, that's just a cruel, cruel loss that might come down to game management and special teams. Mm-hmm. So many plays within that game. You look at it, even for the Chiefs side of the ball, you saw McCaffrey fumble the ball, Pacheco fumble the ball, which we never see him do. He dropped a pitch. There was a muff pump for the Chiefs as well. There was some sloppy play going on within the game. And some of that you expect. It's a Super Bowl. There's nerves. There's so many different things going. And there's going to be things that happen within the game that you just have to play through. When you get into the whole overtime and hearing Juszczyk and Armstead say, yeah, like we had no idea. Uh, to me, that's crazy. Uh, I'm standing in the stands and I'm watching the game. And towards the end of the first overtime, I'm saying, call timeout, call timeout. But I'm not on the field. I don't have right. to know the rules. And I listened. I was reading Kurt Warner and big Andrew Whitworth. They were going back and forth on Twitter about it because, Shrakes, to your point, Kurt Warner was just like, well, for an offensive player, if you know the goal is to go down and score a touchdown, does anything really change? I think it does because I think when you understand the exact situation you're in and you know the team has to have the ball back, it changes maybe your approach. I just think from a standpoint of being out there and being on the field and being knowledgeable and knowing the situation, it 
helps you as a player. We always talk about it when we watch these guys on Sundays and we call somebody a cerebral player. This guy understands situations. He understands the moment. It allows you to go out there and play. And then you hear a Kansas City Chiefs and you heard Patrick Mahomes after the game say, yeah, there was going to be no third possession. Once we got, if they had scored a touchdown, once we scored, we were going for two. So that lets you know, even from a standpoint of when that offense takes the field, no matter what the 49ers did, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, they knew exactly what the end goal was because it's been spoken about. And Scott Pioli earlier in our show, he talked about it when it comes to rule change and head coaches handling situations. A lot of times the way this happens is whether it's March or whenever a new rule comes out. For teams throughout OTAs in the offseason, you'll talk about rules when they come in. You may show clips or different things that have to uh, that go towards that rule. The referees will usually come throughout training camp. You'll have the refs give a presentation and talk about the rule change. But between that point all the way to the playoff start, we heard different Chiefs players say every single week they talked about the new overtime rules because now this is something new that could impact the game. So for those players, it's important to understand, hey, as soon as that regular season ended and they were getting ready to play for the Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins and the Bills and the Ravens, they needed to understand that, hey, if this ends in a tie and we're going into overtime, we have to know exactly what we're going to do. So I do think from a Kyle Shanahan standpoint, the 49ers, they dropped the ball there. And they had to understand as players, too, of what the rules are. It's most important for the head coach and the coaching staff to know. But I think the players need to understand the rules as well and have those meetings and talk about it because it's something that needs to be discussed. It's something just in your mind that you need to know when you're out there on the field. You know what it comes down to? It's just not a priority. You're headed to the Super Bowl and you're thinking there's a very little chance it'll go to overtime, right? I mean, there's there's only been one of them ever. Well, maybe we'll address it and maybe we'll have our own plan, but we don't need to spend a lot of time on overtime when it's very unlikely. Let's focus more of our time on Mahomes and on Chris Jones. And I feel, look, I feel the same thing for CBS. What are the odds we're going to go to overtime? Now, you start overtime, they got their full screen ready and they got their, their new rules and they explain it. But in terms of the, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the show, the clock expiring at the end, like they're scrambling too because you focus on so many things that definitely will happen. And then a lot of times on things will likely and then maybe have the percentage of overtime happening is very, 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 very small in the playoffs. And yet it did. And the Chiefs allocated that time to it. They did. And the Niners did not. I think as far as, you know, is it was this one going to hurt more than the last one? I think absolutely. If, if you look at especially guys like Juszczyk and Kittle, who are both great stories and great players. They're day three draft guys. You finally get to the Super Bowl those years ago, and you've, it's just the culmination of your life and your career and all your dreams, and you lose to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and you were up in the game 10, and it just fell apart, and maybe you underestimated Mahomes a little bit or whatever it may be. A few years go by, and you work so hard, and you have that devastating setback last year with the Purdy injury. You get back. And it's Mahomes again, and you're up again, and you go to overtime again, and you lose again. I mean, that's now you got to think like last time when you lost Super Bowl, you're thinking, I got to get back and win this thing. This time you're like, I don't know, maybe it's not meant to be. You know, it's maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to win a Super Bowl in my career. I go back to what Dan Campbell said after the Lions lost. This might have been our best shot. They got a second shot, and not only did they lose, they lost to the same team in the exact same fashion as last time. I saw a tweet out there. I wish I could credit the person who did it, that they were comparing Kyle Shanahan to Kendall Roy. And he's just like, 
It's just not meant to be, Kendall. You're never taking over the company. It's just not going to happen no matter how hard you work. And I know you're sitting there saying like, I have to do this or I, I, I'm going to I'm going to die. I'm going to like, I don't know if it's meant to be for Kyle. You got Peter sitting here. Peter's like a huge Shanahan fan and a huge champion of the 49ers. And Peter's saying that God is laughing at Kyle Shanahan. You know, Peter, big God okay. guy, always bringing it up. And even Peter is doing that. That's the state we are, Peter. It's getting that bad. I'm a huge God no guy. I, I'd say God is God is a great, great, uh, great guy or lady. Um, the truth of the matter is knowledge is power. And in this case, it felt like the Chiefs had it and the 49ers didn't. And if knowledge is power and it's a mental game as much as it is a physical one, Kyle, to your point, like Andy Reid might have won that Super Bowl over Kyle Shanahan and it had nothing to do with the 53 guys on the field. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, to Kendall Roy's point, no matter how many different ways he tried to take over that company, it was just never going to work. And so nope. Shanahan's been trying every different pathway and it and it didn't transpire that way. I disagree with the principle of what were the odds that we were going to go into overtime? It's not like you had two weeks to prepare for every single circumstance. And frankly, it's not even just the two weeks. This rule that applies to 32 clubs or the 14 that make it into the postseason went into effect last January. So the 49ers have had two playoff runs and last year ended unceremoniously where they could have easily been in a Super Bowl had their quarterback not gotten hurt, where you had six plus games or weeks or of preparation for your guys to know how this situation was going to go, going to go. No, no matter what transpires after you make the decision to receive or to defer or anything like that, no matter if you're going for a field goal touchdown, the motivation doesn't matter. It's more so that you have ample time and the Chiefs took their time to have everyone be aware in that building to the point where they were sick of hearing it. I, I just can't believe that of all the things, all the stones left unturned where you have a trick play, where you have Juwan Jennings throwing a touchdown pass that we couldn't have thought about just in case this happens, which there were pretty good odds. I think that this one was going to go into overtime. That being said, I'm just so surprised that for a Shanahan coach team, he did not leave that stone go unturned. Still to come on our show. Do you want even more NFL action this season? I mean, you have to because you're stuck inside the house. Maybe you're snowed in. Who knows? You have NFL plus probably if you don't, you can get access to stream live games on mobile and red zone and network game replays and so much more all in one place. Sign up today at plus.nfl.com terms and conditions apply. It's time for these guys to start getting fitted for their gold jackets. Peter has thoughts on the new Testament and some takes there, but, and we're also going to talk Deuteronomy song heroes of the chiefs. Leviticus talk. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to Good Morning Football. The Chiefs have now won their third title in five years. And there are so many big names that are a part of this, whether it be Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or the great Chris Jones. So many different names and faces played a role on the big stage. But there are also those unsung heroes 
with three different Super Bowl titles in the last five years, I wanted to name my top five unsung heroes from those wins. And I'm starting off with number five from Sunday night's Rule of the Eight, Mr. Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel had oh. the best game of his NFL career on Sunday, and he did so with three huge plays. The McCaffrey fumble, that was a forced fumble. That is Leo Chanel knocking the ball loose on this play. How about this one here? An eight-yard tackle for a loss on a big spot here when Jawan Jennings gets the dump off, and then the most important play maybe of the entire Super Bowl for the Chiefs, the blocked extra point. That's Leo. That's a second-year player who is a fourth-round pick out of Wisconsin who is an athletic freak. Now, if you're wondering, where did he come from? Where is Chanel? You might remember him from last year, too, because Leo Chanel had a very famous moment at the Super Bowl parade. That's him. That's Leo, who fell off the float and then scaled himself back up on the float during the Super Bowl celebration for 57 an unbelievable feat of athleticism. Amazing. I think we undersold it yesterday when I referenced it. Falls off the float and then scales what looks to be an eight-foot, ten-foot bus and gets back on top. Leo Chanel, unsung hero, number five. Number four, I'm going to toss us some sound here. It's 24 to 20. It's Super Bowl 54. The Chiefs had not won a Super Bowl in 50 years. They're back on the big stage. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't go to his number one wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. He doesn't go to his number two wide receiver, Mikael Hardman. Patrick Mahomes, well, he goes to this guy. Take a listen. Second down and seven, Mahomes, Watkins, what a throw! Sammy Watkins out of bounds near the 11. It's one-on-one -on -one against Richard Sherman with Sammy Watkins, and, and Richard Sherman one-on-one -on -one is just not going to run with him. Sammy Watkins was a former top five pick in this league, but bounced around team to team to team. He ends up with the Kansas City Chiefs, and in the biggest moment, it is Sammy Watkins who makes the big play. Sammy Watkins, a Super Bowl legend, not only for that one, but for two weeks earlier when they played against the Titans in the AFC Championship game, He's the one who had the big touchdown pass that put the game away with about nine minutes left that had Chiefs fans crying in Arrowhead over how significant it was. Sammy Watkins, a Super Bowl legend forever and a hero in Kansas City, even though he's had stops in Buffalo and in, St. Louis, in L.A. and so many other places. Sammy Watkins, number four. Number three, how about a guy who is a healthy scratch in Super Bowl 58? I'm going to toss to the great Kevin Burkhart and the great Greg Olson for number three on our list from last year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57, who showed up and had an outstanding performance when his team needed him most. Quick throw. Tony's got it. Tony walks in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Just the second punt of the day from Philadelphia. Here's Sipos. Low sinking kick. Tony on the run. Still up on his feet. Tony has a wall. It's another block. Tony inside the 20. Tony still going, and he's down to the five. The young joker, Kadarius Tony, a first-round pick of the Giants, doesn't work out there. Mid-season, the Chiefs trade for him. He makes plays throughout the regular season, and then in the biggest game of all, it's Kadarius Tony not only scoring a touchdown, but having the huge punt return, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, and he does so for the Chiefs to ensure their second Super Bowl title in four years. That's number three. How about number two? How about for number two, we got our dear friend and a guy who's been on the ground throughout this entire Super Bowl run for the Kansas City Chiefs, our buddy James Palmer from the NFL Network. Because James Palmer had a news hit earlier this year that was forgettable at the time, but who knew what it would kick off? 
On Wednesday, the Kansas City Chiefs made a trade to bring back former wide receiver McCole Hardeman, who's also expected to play in this game. That trade and him being on the field is a direct example of where things stand at the wide receiver position in Kansas City. To my understanding, it's two things. One, a lot of new pieces. And two, a lack of trust with Mahomes in this group. 79 catches on the season for Rice as Mahomes rolls out and going deep. Going deep, and it's caught at the 10-yard line. Nicole Hartman pulls it in. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there. Hartman, jackpot, Kansas City. The wildest thing is we go back to Hard Knocks and Oz the Mentalist picks out New York Jet McCall Hardman and says, we're going to predict the Super Bowl. I'm going to guess who you think. And Hardman says it's going to be Jets versus 49ers and the Jets are going to win. Well, Hardman was almost right. It was Chiefs versus 49ers and the Chiefs win. And Oz the Mentalist is a fraud because you know what? He got the team wrong. It was actually the Chiefs. And that is where McCall Hardman made the play. McCall Hardman, number two. Now, number one. This could be anybody. This could be Damian Williams, big game Dame. This could be Harrison Butker, who's hit all these 50-yarders. This could be so many different players. And yet, for number one, I'm going with the architect of it all. I am going with the general manager, Brett Veach. And it is all-encompassing here. But Brett Veach has shown some real savvy in roster management here, whether it be signing Patrick Mahomes to a 10-year deal that was widely scoffed at the time because of the $500 million price tag, but looks like an absolute bargain now, whether it was letting Tyreek Hill out of the building and yet the very next year, they're able to restock and win back-to-back Super Bowls. I look at that 2021-2022 transition where they went into last year and they end up drafting in one draft class. Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round, Trent McDuffie in the first round, George Loftus in the first round, Leo Chanel in the fourth round, Sky Moore, all of these guys, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, all these players, they're drafting and they still have the savvy to get guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Juju Smith-Schuster, or in this case, bring back Mikael Hardman. Rhett Veach is my number one unsung hero of this entire Super Bowl run for the Chiefs. But here we go. I'm going Veach. I'm going Hardman. I'm going Tony. I'm going Watkins. And I'm going Leo Chanel. We love you, Damian Williams, for what you did in that first Super Bowl. You don't make the cut. In this case, it's these five. Kyle Brent, your thoughts. I love seeing Leo Chanel up there. We're definitely keeping our eye on him at the parade tomorrow. We're also, Peter, on Matt Nagy watch at the parade. We know last year he was the best dancer by far. But just one name I'll throw out, and then you guys can get in here. My favorite member of Chiefs Kingdom right now is Bronze Mahomes. I think Bronze brings a whole different thing to the table, to the family dynamic. I like Bronze Mahomes. I'd like to see Bronze's name up there next year. Bronze has some epic side eye. I mean, that kid knows what's up when it comes to a Lombardi. He's like, again, please run it back a third time. Then I'll be impressed. I can't believe my unsung hero is Peter Schrager because somehow we have gone from late August until now, and he is still able to weave in Oz the Mentalist into Good Morning Football. That is a true mind bender, Jason. Yeah, you definitely have to have Peter at the top. Let's not forget that he predicted the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. And yet, indeed, they did. So, got to give him his flowers and his love right there. Also, big Mike Pinnell in that game on Sunday was all over the place in the run game. Give some D-line, some love, some big guys up front. He did his thing. He shut the run game down. Obviously, Chris Jones played a big part, too. But love that. Love from the defensive guys. Shout out to Leo Chanel.
Leo Chanel, great. Real quick, one more shout out. Dave Taub is the special teams coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. That unit outplayed the San Francisco 49ers special teams unit inside and out. That might have been the difference in this game. So many unsung heroes, but I got Brett Veach as number one, the architect of it all. What a job he's done as general manager, executive of the season. Out, out with Oz the Mentalist, in with Peter the Mentalist. We have a new job for you. You are predicting things like a professional Peter Schreger coming up. We're going to hear from Mahomes, Reed, and Commissioner Roger Goodell following Sunday's big game and the handoff. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good morning, football! We're still soaking in everything that was... Super Bowl week in Las Vegas. That included NFL honors where the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024 was announced on stage. It was a beautiful presentation for these seven gentlemen and deserving players. We talk a lot about the Hall of Fame and the candidates and the whys and the whens for a lot of these names. Uh, Kyle, I will start with you because you have teed up one of those names in particular time and time again. And I know specifically that you being there in that building and seeing Devin Hester pop up from the States is pretty special. Special and surreal. I'm standing there in Las Vegas, which is already surreal atmosphere. I'm backstage in NFL Honors. I'm standing next to Christian McCaffrey... Olivia Culpo and me watching the Hall of Famers rise up from the stage like gods that they are. The whole thing goes down. They walk off. They walk right by me. I had a quick moment with Dwight Freeney, who showed love for this show, this little show that I'm doing in my basement because it's snowing out. Just really, really cool moment of connecting with these football gods and me representing us. But really special for me when the guy that you mentioned, former Chicago Bear, finally got in because for years I've been saying things about him and I've been saying the same thing over and over. Give me Devin Hester, a retired player. In my opinion, if you are the best ever at your position, I don't care what that position is, you're in the Hall of Fame. Devin <laughs> Hester will be up for the Hall of Fame in a couple of years. I really hope that he gets attention, respect, and the votes he deserves because no one in the history of the game has done what he does as well as he does. Devin Hester's finally eligible, and let's get him the hell in. It's a tough act to follow, Peter, when you bring up Steve Tasker. It's another special teams ace. My criteria is and has always been, if you are the best at your position, you get in. Best of all time. It's not even close. Mm -hmm. If you are the greatest ever to do what you do on the football field, you're in. End of conversation. He did not get in this year. A lot of people thought maybe he might be first ballot. I hope he'd be first ballot. Uh, I've said this a thousand times. I think he should have been first ballot. I think he'll be in next year. Guys, here's my take. If you're the best ever at your position, you get in. He's the best ever. They finally let him in. He had to wait. He had to wait again. He had to wait again. And now he is in the best ever kick returner, punt returner, return man in history. It's not close. I love a lot of the other ones. Some of them are friends of the show, but it is not close. He also has the number one most electric moment in Super Bowl history. As the story goes, Bears Colts, Tony Dungy said, 
We're not kicking the Hester. We're not kicking the Hester for two weeks. And the night before the Super Bowl, his pride got a hold of him and said, we're going to kick the Hester. We can tackle him. They couldn't tackle him. Greatest kick returner of all time is now in football heaven. So excited for the Windy City Flyer, Devin Hester, where he belongs. Devin Hester, oh my goodness. I remember being out there on the football field in the preseason. He made a move so lethal on me that I fell down and was just using my hands to try to stay up as I was chasing. Unbelievable <laughs> return, electric football player. So fun to watch, not as much fun to try to tackle him. I'm going with another guy that rolls up from the bottom and was on that stage that Thursday evening at NFL Honors. Andre Johnson, a wide receiver from the Houston Texans. For me, getting drafted to the Tennessee Titans meant the Houston Texans were in our division. So I got a chance as a rookie to watch Andre Johnson go for about a thousand yards on us in both games and then got a chance to compete against this guy year in and year out. And he was so fun to play against because Dre didn't say a word on the football field. He just went out there and outplayed you, snap in and snap out. You look at his career and all that he was able to do. He's the first guy to go into the Texans ring of honor. He'll be the first Houston Texan to go into the Hall of Fame. Miami product, third overall to the Houston Texans. And you watch what he was able to do with so many different quarterbacks while he was out there on the football field. And people always ask me, who's the hardest receiver you had to cover throughout your career? And I would say to him, a lot of times that had nothing to do with the receiver. It had to do with who the quarterback is. Look at this list of names that have thrown a touchdown pass to Andre Johnson throughout his career. Remember, it was with the Houston Texans. I got a chance to play with him when he came to the Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts as well. This guy was an unbelievable talent, but a great person. You know all the stuff he did in the community in Houston. He is still there, still a part of that organization. Andre Johnson was an absolute beast on the football field, fun to compete against. He gave you his haul every single play, and it's insane to me. He didn't say a single word out there on the football field. Yeah, look, both of those guys are so respected and deserve their their spot. And Canton, couple controversial ones. Tory Holt still not in after we thought this might be the year, and Andre kind of jumped Tory because historically it's like the wide receivers go one by one based on who's eligible. And sounds like you know Tory is on the outside looking in at the moment. And then Antonio Gates, not a first ballot Hall of Famer, despite yeah. all of the records and all of the numbers did not get voted in with this class, which means next year, maybe. But I want to look towards next year because this is a really interesting first year eligible class. And I'm curious to get your thoughts, guys. Take a look at some of these names who will be eligible for the first time. Marshawn Lynch, Eli Manning, T. Sizzle and Vinatieri. Now, you might say, well, Suggs isn't a first ballot guy. Suggs has Super Bowl rings. Suggs was Defensive Player of the Year. Suggs was the heart and soul of a lot of those Ravens teams. Marshawn, huge celebrity, great numbers, Super Bowl champion. Is he first ballot? Vinatieri, the greatest to ever do it, right? Is he first ballot? You can't have four first ballots. So I'm going to leave you with this one. And Kyle, I want your thoughts. Is Eli slam dunk at this point? And you think about his post-career, the five years, he's become America's favorite neighbor and little brother and the whole thing. I think we're assuming Eli's in right away, but do you think this will become a debate once we get in the room? Yeah, definitely. Listen, I've said this before. Eli will get in and he will get in the first ballot and I will stand up and applaud him because he's a gentleman. I don't think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I don't think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation. It's not my kind of Hall of Famer, but he will get in and I'll respect it. Marshawn, not only will he not get in first ballot, I don't 
look at Marshawn Lynch as a Hall of Fame running back. He's really famous and really likable, and for a while was really dominant. He's most famous, I think, unfortunately, for the carry he didn't get and the one that caused an earthquake. So I love Marshawn, guys, but let's not confuse personality and flashes with greatest of all time ever in their positions. You won't hear anybody go negative on Hall of Famers. They never, ever do in media. I have some takes, though. What do you guys think? I think we're entering a phase of this Hall of Fame that we're entering the very likable, very popular guy. And and we have to start to make sure that we're not shading. Like, were they relevant? Were they the best at their position at the time? Because now we're entering the social media era of some of these players when it comes to the Hall of Fame entrance. Great conversation. A lot to look forward to, specifically the entrance in August uh, when they head into Canton. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 